later on today's episode. Now, this also says that the reason why they resonate so much with the African-American experience, Black Australia is what they call themselves, is because that many Aboriginal deaths have happened in the custody of law enforcement there. So it's not, I mean, yes, it's everything that we went over history-wise, and I'm sure more that we even didn't go over, um, but, you know, that relationship with law enforcement seems to be an additional piece that connects us and I'm just I I I just feel bad I feel bad because um they obviously heard about what was happening over there and showed up in the way that they did thousands of miles away across oceans and clearly they've been going through things and I don't think I'm I'm gonna be bold here and say we haven't responded because we didn't know (laughs) <laughs> we did right. not know like we right. did not like african-americans right. i can tell you like if, if I was... hello this is patrice thank you for clicking on this episode here at the melanated intellects podcast we talk about everything from black mental health and personal growth to black world history and my name is shayla here you will find a balance between topics everyone is talking about and topics no one is talking about either way we guarantee we will be bringing our distinct intellectual perspective hey 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 thank you for clicking on this episode happy black history month Not that it needs to be Black History Month for us to talk about our history, but we are excited. Um, This is a four-part series, and this is one of four parts. So we are focusing on four continents, um, Asia, Europe, South America, and today, Australia. Today, we're going over to Australia. So we're covering Black history in each of those continents Um, If you haven't checked out the other episodes in this series, please do. We try to do our best to represent world history in a really big way. A lot of you, a lot of you enjoyed our Black History series last year, which was 100 years of Black history. We started in the early 1900s and brought it up to pretty much current day. And that was really popular. So if you haven't had an opportunity to check that out, people really liked it. We have so much to cover on Australia. Um, Full transparency, Patrice and I was not prepared. We were Mm -hmm. not prepared for the Black history in Australia. We just were not. And I think that goes to just our ignorance as um, Americans. I just, I don't feel like Americans in general are very well educated about world history. That's just my personal opinion. Um, And so we have a lot to learn. There's a lot to go through. And to be honest, we're just going to barely scratch the surface because there's so much information that we found. Uh, In true Melanated Intellects fashion, we promise to put all of our sources in our description so that you all can check it out. It's a lot of information, though, a lot of great information, but it is a lot of information. And I can recall that being the same for 100 years of Black history. Like we had so mm-hmm. many resources, it was ridiculous. Um, so that's good, though, because that means that, you know, we're trying to find as much information as possible for you guys. If you don't already follow us on IG at Melanated Intellects, please do. 
Um, and we hope you guys enjoy this and have a good time. Maybe you didn't know there was black history to be told in Australia. If that's the case, then you got a lot to learn today. Okay. If you did already know, then thank you for tuning in anyway. And maybe you just get to, you know, hear some news that you already knew, but I'm going to assume that most of us didn't know this. So we will hop in here. Um, okay. So uh, Patrice, anything you want to add before I get started? Yeah. Uh, Again, we were not ready. So we were so not ready. I don't know what I thought I was gonna find when I start uncovering black history in Australia, but this is not it. So um, you know, that's okay because it's a learning opportunity for us, and that means mm-hmm. I know something about um my people that I didn't previously know. There is a lot of black history in Australia, just in case you don't know, from a lot of different angles, a lot of different ways. So we're gonna do our best to to try to give it um, some justice. And this this subject matter might come around again because, again, there's just so much information. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so first, let's talk about just some basic information in regards to the Aboriginal people, which are, based on my research, is said to be like the original people of Australia. So I found an article that kind of separates the difference and gives a definition of Aboriginal people from this very, you know, uh, research scientific perspective. And it also separates, you know, of course, African and Aborigines and and separating the difference between the two. I'll do my best to give a brief description of that just so that everybody's on the same page because, you know, I just want to make sure we know and we're what's up. Now, we are talking about Australia specifically. Um, but it goes on, uh, this is an Atlantic.com article. It goes on to say that the first genome analysis of Aborigine reveals that early Australians, um, took part in the first human migration out of Africa. And so uh, essentially the first to inhibit Australia and they were the first to arrive also in Asia some 70,000 years ago, probably more than that now with the article being written, uh, roaming the area at least 24,000 years before the ancestors of present-day Europe and Asia. So that was just general information about um, Aborigines and the people there, but particularly in relation to Australia, they're said to be out of Africa. Um, so research suggests that the ancestors of the Aborigines in Australia, Papua New Guinea, and some Southeast Asian countries uh, came from Africa. Africa, African or Africans are specifically for people from Africa. So I guess a little confusing, but I guess the way I considered it to be that essentially indigenous or Aboriginal people in Australia had been there so many thousands of years prior to colonization to be frank and also just the record of people and where they were from that there's really no other term to call them other than aboriginal even though there's a lot of research to suggest that they are african so i hope that makes sense um and this is just my perspective as someone who i've never been to australia i'm not from there i'm just you know i'm reading and this is what i'm understanding that to mean but a lot of countries have a significant, significant number of Aboriginal people, including Peru, Mexico, Australia, Canada, Africa, Bolivia, Russia. Um, and I think it said Peru has the greatest amount at like 45% of their country's population is African. 
intentional. Um, so I just want to put that into perspective. So we have that those definitions to kind of define because the Aboriginal people of Australia, we got a lot to tell you about them. Okay. Uh, so Patrice, go ahead and take us away. Yeah. And you know, let me also start with when I first started to do research, I had no idea what I was looking for. Right. I don't think it, obviously neither one of us did. But it's it's interesting because, like, when I first start searching, I immediately start seeing articles like the hidden truth about Black history in Australia and the hidden Black history around Black slavery in Australia and things like that. I just thought, in the world, am I, like, what? Like, and, and I was very, very floored. So first and foremost, I just want to lead with Y'all know me and Shayla have been doing this for a couple of seasons now. I guess we could say a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, of all the places we have looked at, you know, this, the systemic um, process, uh, the systemic oppression that has mimicked the U.S. so much that it's just very baffling. and. The more we dive into it, I, that's why we say it's, it's it's a lot. Like the more we dive into it, there are some things that you're going to hear that's going to sound very familiar compared to what the U.S. has a, in terms of history here in the U.S. So um, I'm going to kind of break down like just very basic. There's a lot. So I'm going to keep it as simple as possible without going into full all out detail for each and every piece of kind of the roll out to um, the history behind um, the Aboriginal and um, in Aboriginal people in Australia. So just getting right into it. So in 1901, the Federation of Australia is established. Almost immediately, also in 1901, Aboriginal people are denied citizenship. This is basically a white Australian policy. Um, so in full detail, the Constitution denies citizenship, franchise, and the right to military duty to Aboriginal people, Asians, and Africans. Indigenous people are not included in any census nor regarded as citizens, thus excluding them from civil li- civil liberties like Commonwealth voting rights, unless as in South Australia, they already have the vote in state elections. In Queensland and Western Australia, Indigenous people are specifically excluded. And there's an Immigration Restriction Act, which is the first act of federal parliament as a result from agitation aimed at protecting worker working conditions of Australian workers by prohibiting migration of non-Europeans. The act also allows exclusion of any immigrant who fails a dictation test in a European language. It is known as the White Australia Policy and prevails until the 1960s. So so (laughs) wild to me. I mean, it's not, I mean, I guess it isn't wild um, in relation to what we know colonization to be all across Africa, right? And in many other places, not exclusive to Africa, but in 100 years of Black history, we spoke about colonization uh, pretty heavily Mm -hmm. and decolonization pretty heavily, particularly in Africa. Mm -hmm. And um, like, yeah, you know, they came in there, (laughs) came in there, was like, um, hey, this mine out. Um, you're not a citizen. 
and you can't be a citizen unless you can pass a dictation test. Is that what you called it, Patrice? Dictation? Yes, it was a in English. Yeah, in English. In okay. English. Um, now these people been there. Now you just heard me say before Patrice got started. Aboriginal people, from the best that I can summarize, have just been in a place so long, particularly in Australia for so long. It was prior to us keeping record of it, and there's research to suggest suggest that they were from Africa. So they were there, I think I mentioned 70,000, 24,000, like years, double digit thousands of years prior to this moment happening, 1900s is mm-hmm. present day-ish when you talk about the span of history. Um, and you said it stayed that way to the 1960s. It did. And there was also, once this act was passed, a deportation of Melanesian workers. So by 1906, just five years later, three quarters of the Malaysian population have been deported. Okay, deported. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, so they kicked them out. Okay. <laughs> and also, let me also add, Commonwealth Pacific Islander Laborers Act provides for the end of recruitment of South Sea Islanders by 1904 and deportation of those remaining in Australia by 1906. So from the time of 1901 to the 1960, basically the policy assimilation for migrants is introduced. So non-British migrants are accepted on the understanding that they should shed their cultures and languages and become undistinguishable from Australians of British background. This policy also continues into the 1960s. Then we have the Naturalization Act of 1903, which is Commonwealth Naturalization Act. It basically acknowledges all naturalized British residents as subjects in the Commonwealth, applicants from Asia, sorry, I cannot talk, applicants from Asia, Africa, and Pacific Islands, except New Zealand, I wonder why, are ineligible for naturalization. Male Europeans domiciled in Australia are no longer permitted to bring wives or children into the country. I wonder why New Zealand got a pass. What about New Zealand got them folk a pass? Well, I have to dig more into that. I don't know. I'm going to leave it to interpretation. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to leave it out there, okay? Okay, we're going to make some assumptions about New Zealand off that. I chose to. Um, okay. And again, like I said, this was a lot. So I, I'm going to own that I could possibly be wrong. But at a glance, I feel it feels very similar to even again here in the U.S. One border is heavily restricted. The other is not. Yeah. And even with the stripping of the culture, right? Yeah. It feels very, um, you know, connected to African-Americans and and us being stripped of our culture in that way. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um. So, and again, I I told myself that I wasn't going to like dive into very in-depth things because there is so much, literally every single year, there are so many acts passed to continue to feed into the systemic oppression of these, of this group of people, you know, um, from controlling reserves and giving wide power to basically the government. Uh, Let me just read this in full because I'm not 
I'm not summarizing it well. So the Western Australian Aborigines Act extends control over reserves and gives wide powers to the chief protector who is made the legal guardian of every Aboriginal and half-case child under 16. So I, I saw that. And then when I like was scrolling through further past that point, I saw later in, in like 1909, so about a couple of years later, there's a point where um, Victorian Aborigines Act extends power of the board of, for the protection of aborigines to half case or full-blooded Aboriginal people with New South Wales devotes half the funds from the Dreadnought Trust to the immigration of British boys aged 15 to 18 between 1911 and 1914. 1,787 dreadnought boys arrived. I have, I need to dive into what this dreadnought story is because it, I keeps, it, it keeps showing up. Um, I'm, I'm, it sounds like there was a point in time when, let me not overstate. There needs to be some research done into this. Okay. For sure. Um, but it sounds like there was a point where children were being used to, or, or commissioned, I should say, to work in different homes. So it sounds like there was labor involved, you know, from um, whether it be uh, working on a farm and, you know, those who were considered underprivileged, they were basically subject to labor if they were children. And under the age of 21 is kind of the realm that I'm seeing here as I'm kind of glancing over. Um, there was even a point in 1915 where the separation of aberration children, Aboriginal children. So in New South Wales, Aborigines Protection Board empowered was empowered to remove and apprentice Aboriginal children without a court hearing. So this power is repealed in 1940 when the board is renamed the Aborigines Welfare Board. But similar policies allowing the removal of Aboriginal children apply in other states, and these practices continued up until the 1970s. And over one third of Aboriginal children are forcibly taken from their parents to provide household servants and stockmen for non-Aboriginal society. Teaching German and Lutheran schools is prohibited as unpatriotic. So it's like they started using children for labor at one point, um, which is just like mind blowing. But, it, you know, you can kind of see the different acts that were enacted leading up to it, because first it was gaining quote unquote government custody was the best way that I can kind of describe this um, Southern South Australian Aborigines Act. Then it's child immigration society. Then it's deportation of enemy aliens. And this is separation of Aboriginal children. So it was like a buildup and it kind of reminds me of like immigration here, you know, for those who aren't aware, I live in Arizona. And so there was like levels to the different immigration policies that eventually impacted those who were also born to what is considered to be immigrants here in the U.S. that also could be impacted. And so many different acts have been signed to prevent or provide different benefits or accommodations to try to go against all of these bills that haven't been passed to take away different rights for kids who are born to people who are not born in the United States. So it just kind of reminded me of that. Um, but again, I, I told myself I won't go too far. There is so much here 
from the stripping of culture, stripping of languages, the children being brought into um, labor to um, killing of mass groups of people, different types of massacres took place as well. It is all way too, too familiar. Um, and it's sad. It really is sad. Um, sad isn't even the word. Uh, it's just disheartening, you know, um, that I, I hate that I never knew this. And I feel like when we talk about black history on a wide scale, Personally, this is just me. I feel like America often gets centralized very heavily when it comes to this conversation. And then it's like those in proximity to it from there based off of, you know, um, I guess you can say the world stage, you know what I'm saying? Like Europe is a big place and also very well known. So we're going to, so we'll talk about the black experience in Europe. We'll talk about the black experience, you know, even in um, Asian countries, for example, you know, um, but Australia is one that I feel like I've never, ever even heard of, thought of. And I hate that because they have had a very much similar in a lot of different ways experience to what we go through here in the U.S., yeah. Um, okay. A couple of things I want to say. So as I was going through, um, cause later on I'll highlight a few people from history and there's a lot, but I only, we're going to highlight a few in some of their bios. I saw that they were, they were part of the lost children. I think was the term mm. being used. I don't know that if I fully put together cause I was like, okay, that it keeps me insane. Like the lost children, um, or mm. maybe they had their children quote unquote lost, right? Like they were mm. somewhere part of that. Um, so I get that explains it. Wow. And then, um, I, I did know that, that there were Aboriginal people of Australia. What I did not know was everything that came after that. Like that was pretty much my knowledge. Like I, I didn't know that like there were such a large percentage of them still there today, which we'll, we'll talk about current day issues later. Um, I did not know their history, like after being colonized and taken mm-hmm. in here, like I did not know any of that. So there's a lot that I didn't know. Uh, I just knew like, oh, I knew that there were some Aboriginal people from Australia or that were in Australia first or originally, right. you know what I mean? Like, and that right. was pretty much the extent of my knowledge. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I mean, and, and as far as America being put center stage, I mean, America's put center stage here. I really don't know. It, like, are we put center stage outside of the U S maybe, I mean, maybe I could, I could see Africa, right. Cause Africa is obviously very closely related to the American Right, racism situation. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not certain. Sometimes I really have to question. Like, <laughs> sometimes I think like history in and of itself, and world history, and so many things in relation to history and our perspective mm-hmm. of it. I have to really be like, is that how? I don't know, because I have a very yeah, American perspective, and I've been reared in this very American history way. So. I, I really got to be like, well, maybe I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, sometimes I get to the point where I don't trust my perspective about history from this worldly view because of that reason. If that makes sense. No, and that's a good point. That that and that is very real. I, I guess some of the things that lead me to feel that way is because when I hear about other countries, like they study us in their education. Oh. 
they their news covers us regularly what's happening in the u.s our politics you know the events that take place um America is going to be talked about because it was amplified as this first world land of the free, so on and so forth. I don't think any other country has that level of PR. And I'm going to just always say it. That's what it is. Okay, good <laughs> So I, I do feel like for that reason, like I won't hear about Europe on my regular CNN. I would have to go to the world version of CNN and like a midnight airing of it to see what's going on in other countries. And even then, if the event isn't big enough, it's not going to, I'm not going to see it versus they are constantly up to speed with what's happening in our world. That's why I say that. I feel like we do get centralized for that reason alone because of how we, I guess, are leveled compared to other places. Um, for whatever reason, again, I consider it all public relations, but you know what, what that's your own, for your own interpretation. But um, but to your point, though, I do agree as well that you know um, our our history lessons, our education is very different, and because we do come from within this system and within um, the this teachings, I should even say, like, it's also very possible that that's a mischaracterized judgment or representation as well. I'm open to both because I ain't been outside yet. So (laughs) until I get over somewhere and see and talk and get an opportunity to really be out and really have that discussion, I can't say, you know, um, but it it is interesting. Whenever things happen in America, it's, it's actually... It it can in the beginning it was a funny TikTok trend of Americans, are you guys okay? You know, in the beginning, and you know, hearing how the perception of America and other countries as well, but um, including Australia, which is ironic is hell child, ironic. But yeah, I'm a yeah. So um that's all I'm gonna cover for the timeline at this point in time. Again, we always link um, all of our articles in the bio for those who want to continue to dive into it. it. Like Shayla will tell you, it gets very deep. There are a lot of different aspects of the history that you can follow up on and dive into. I think it's valuable. Personally, whenever I see the systemic acts and the, the wide, the large scale initiatives that are enacted to sustain maintain and continue oppression it's always just baffling to me i feel like when we talk about other countries it's more of a social experience you know what i'm saying like are you looked at weird because you're dating someone from you know that neighboring country it's more of like a social interaction when it comes to black folks in other countries like even when we talked about um black people in russia i believe it was like it was more of a social experience that they went through, you know, whereas Australia, again, I never thought about, I never knew this. Australia was like literally stripping languages and cultures from people because they did not look like them. Like, wow. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very wild. Um, Okay. So I'm gonna, what, what, I'm just going to say some stuff. <laughs> I'm going to start with Australia's Black History Month. 
Um, so they, I put this site in the description, so please check it out. It's Australia's Black History Month.com. That's what it's called. There's a lot of good information on it. Um, ways to celebrate. Um, it, it feels very much so written by the people, as Patrice and I was talking about before we hopped on. Um, but it's recognizing that Australia is steeped in a rich Aboriginal and Torres Strait history. Torres Strait, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is an island. Um, so that's just, you'll hear or you might see Aboriginal slash Torres Strait as uh, uh, identifying the people there. Mm-hmm. And their Black History Month, um, January 26, 2008, is when they officially got their Black History Month. Um, I wasn't able to find if something led up to that being happening specifically in 2008, but um, their Black History Month is July 1st through the 31st. And this was on the 20th anniversary of the Proclamation of Survival Day. So that for them was a part of their history and why they wanted to um, do it on the 20th anniversary. So just so you know, Black History Month in Australia is in July. It's not in February. So just so that you know. Um, Okay, so I want to highlight. So, okay, on the Black History site, they highlighted, of course, a lot of history and they highlighted a lot of people of Aboriginal descent. And so I'm going to highlight a few. Um, I'll be brief. They do have the full story or like biography if you want to check it out. But I just want to highlight a few. So first would be Lillian Crombie. She's a multi-acclaimed actor and dancer. And she was the first woman of her, I believe this is a tribe. I don't even think I'm going to attempt to pronounce this because there are a lot of vowels. Um, But she's from this place and she was the first woman from this place to be able to study at Alvin Ailey Dance in NYC. Um, Okay, so she grew up in South Australia. Her training included classical, modern, jazz, ballet, and traditional. Um, And then she also had like she also was familiar with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island dancing. So she was able to stay connected to her cultural roots in a way and know the dancing there as well. So she was just very well known and widely diverse in her dancing. And she was just one of Australia's leading, or still is, still is, she's still with us, one of Australia's leading actresses and had feature roles in several films. They also talked about her um, being active in the theater as well she has some leading roles in theater production in 2015 she established the Lillian Crombie Foundation to assist indigenous families with travel and then in 2019 she was awarded a lifetime achievement award um so that was someone that um you know I just wanted to highlight you know for her accomplishments another one was um George, a song, actor, singer, musician, responsible for the first rock and roll single to be recorded in Australia. So that was his claim to fame, born on Thursday Island in Torres Straits. So it's another island I talked about Torres Straits being, and again, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that's how it looks like it's Torres Straits. Uh, was a group of islands or island and um, indigenous Pacific Islander and Asian descent is his ethnicity. 
Um, so we want to highlight him. And then Margaret Tucker. She was the first Aboriginal writer of an autobiography. So she, her story was interesting because I believe her story kind of mentioned the lost children, Patrice, because she was in a group home for Aboriginal girls. And it was a traumatic experience for her. She was mistreated. In 1919, she was sent to the suburbs of Sydney. Um, She was really young then. I think she was about 11 or, uh, let me see. Yeah, she was young. She was born in 1904. I don't know the math there, but she was young, though. Um, And she did have a career as a domestic servant. And Mm. it was just a traumatic time in her life, marked by a lot of racism, physical and mental abuse. She later joined the fight for the rights to help for her people. So she they didn't use the word activist, but that's what I'm going to call her uh, was Mm. an activist. Um, So. And then also Darcy Cummins, um, musician, just community organizer. Um, He traveled and was able to make significant um, changes and to help make things happen for Black Australia. So I I also use the term activist. I don't know if that's not a term that they were using, but that's the term that I'm going to use as an activist. He fought for justice. Um, He also was involved in the first Aboriginal football team to tour New Zealand. Football, I'm going to assume that's soccer during the American translation of that. Um, uh, he traveled to Western Australia, producing a report on the racism in the welfare system by public servants. And, and he kind of was like, he break, it says they bravely named them. So he was like a, um, whistleblower. That's the word I'm mm. like a whistleblower. Oof. Yeah. And he also taught music. And when he passed away, he passed away at a meeting standing up against corruption in Aboriginal housing. So I, I would definitely... Uh, you know, say he was an activist. Again, they didn't use that word. I'm using that word. So it was just a few people I wanted to highlight. But if you go on their page, um, there's a there's a tab that you can click on and it just gives tons of information highlighting people. It says Black History 2021. So I'll assume next July it'll be updated maybe and more information will be added. I don't know. But it was a lot of people. I just grabbed a handful. There's so many more stories and people to highlight. And even in those people, you know, I summarized, there's more to their story, of course, than what I went over. Um, Patrice, anything you want to add or say about that? Yeah. Um, I, I do appreciate the range because like you've got everything from judges to boxers to writers that are listed here. Um, so I definitely do appreciate that. Um <sighs> I, I I do wish that there was more, and again, this is from a very, again, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little upset that I didn't know about this. So I just, I wish there was more knowledge about it. You know what I mean? Um, I, I feel like these are individuals who, like you said, took on activism and kind of did so without nearly as not much credit, not much recognition, not much 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's very disheart. I'm just like I'm. I want to dive in more now because I feel like we have been sleeping on Australia and their contribution to the African diaspora. Like we don't know about this. Let me speak for myself because again, I did not know about this. Me and Shayla did not know about this. We did not know. Like, oh, and, and it's not just like efforts here or there. They have like going all the way back to like one of the first, um, it looks like professional football players who was born 1876 until and died in 1937, like in his journey, like going, it has going all the way back. Like there are so many different ways in which these individuals have tackled the oppression that they have been experiencing as a community from an athletic standpoint to a writer standpoint to a judicial standpoint you know to a health standpoint and advocating and advocating and advocating and it's just like damn like I so I just I don't know I just I wish there was more to it like why I need to understand Cause even, okay. The history books today, I'm assuming, obviously we know, actually I'm not, I don't need to assume cut out way more (laughs) than what they did when we were kids. I need to understand why this was left out. Like, you know, I don't recall even in my world history class, yeah. I don't recall us speaking about Australia at all. Not even, uh, not even Australian quote unquote white history. No. Like, so I don't know that, um, at least I can only speak from America. I don't know what other, what other countries are teaching their, their students, but mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we talked about the big players um exactly from an American from an American perspective I'm not saying Australia if y'all a big player I'm sorry but from an American Mm -hmm. perspective they considered big players to be like you know China Europe Europe. um you know we did talk about Africa because um we we were African-American we had Black History Month so then you know you see what I'm saying so then Africa of course was tossed in there uh I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think that's I mean those are the Europe in Asia and Africa were the main continents that that I can recall being talked about. I don't even remember a lot of like Canadian history. I, I, I probably couldn't tell yeah. you much, if all, anything about Canadian mm-hmm. history. I know they joined a couple of wars and very late, they don't like to get into wars. That's what I know about Canada, right? <laughs> I guess, and I respect that about guess. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's, you know, that's it, mm-hmm. you know? So... Mm-hmm. I just think um, Australia wasn't on the radar to be mentioned at all, black or white. So we yeah. certainly wouldn't have known, even if we would have talked about it at my school, that they certainly wouldn't have been talking about the black aspect of the Australian history because they just wasn't mentioned at all. Exactly. And like I took AP history for all, whatever little history class you got to high school, all mine were AP. And so I'm, I'm just like, I went, we went back to dynasties. We went back into all that. We did full world timelines, you know, and I think I may have talked about this before. We did full world timelines on different time periods. And that was a part of like our final assignments. I remember them very vividly because all the damn hours of work that went into it. 
And I don't recall anything about Australia. And I, it just it just makes me think like, how do we prioritize our global education? I know Girl, we definitely want to make the U.S. look bad. I know that's definitely on the list. We but, don't prioritize our global education. But, I mean, we don't know nothing about Australia. And our geography, our geography, Girl, geography is, is on another level. Okay. I had a meeting um, not that long ago with a man in Finland. And his mm-hmm. first question, you know, of course, he asked me, you know, where I was at in the U.S., and his first question to me was, do you know where my country is? And I was like, dang, I can't even be mad. You know what I'm saying? I can't even be mad. So I was like, I know that it's in Europe and I know that it's cold. That's what I know, sir. You know? Um, but I couldn't be mad at his question. And because he spent, you know, especially in the last year, he spent some time in the U.S. So I'm sure he's come across like, I don't know where your country at. Where is that at? I didn't even know that was a country. Like, I'm sure he's come across that. Because mm-hmm. um, our geography and just sense of the world is just so small here. Awful. Um, it really is it really is it's really Mm -hmm. ridiculous Um, and not to centralize myself but I feel like if you're on the west coast it's worse I'm sorry us west coasters I love you I do because we our two three four hour drives we're in the same fucking place you know when it comes to travel it is different for us on our side of the country we're in the same state oftentimes or we're just like in one state whereas when you're going to, when you're in like Atlanta or when you're in North Carolina, driving two, three, four hours, depending on what direction, you could be at any given state. You know what I'm saying? For us, mm. unless you're going to Mexico, you're either in California, Nevada, or Arizona, for the most part, if you're driving two to four hours. Like, that's it. We don't have, we're not so close in proximity to other states. So I feel like it limits a lot of that. Like what travel means to us for people on the East coast is like a train ride. It's a snap of the finger. Like that's it. It's no big deal. Uh, Like hmm. even when I was in Charlotte, there are people who drive from South Carolina into Charlotte every day for work. And that's not a big deal. When I used to do work with individuals who lived in like New Jersey or, um, Philly, some of those smaller places, working in New York, working in neighboring states is very, very normal. Here, you don't do that shit. It's very, very different. So I do feel like the concept of travel is even further for us on the West Coast. And I'm just going to say, especially in a place like Arizona, I'm sorry, Arizonans, Phoenicians, those of us who come from native Arizonans who never left, never lived anywhere else. Our geography isn't that great. It's just, Mm. it's not. I'm going to put myself on the lowest tier when it comes to geography and not to centralize myself, but that's just how I feel because that's how I feel. I mean, I can see that comparison, especially in like the New England states, you know, because there's all, but you go Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut. I mean, like you've been in 15 states in, you know, two hours. You know what I'm saying? So I I mean, they they got small states. Um, So I I, I can understand that, but I never thought about it before. But um, yeah, we we have such a large learning opportunity as as Americans, one, and then to add African-Americans on top of that, I just think I just think there's a gap there hopefully our podcast is filling that gap up a little bit at a time I don't know you know what I mean um that's real as we learn we're bringing it to you we're trying our best to be able to represent it 
um, from the perspective that we have, you know, we've been transparent about the fact that, you know, we haven't, I mean, I don't want to say I haven't been out of the country. Technically I have, but not, not in a, a really serious global way. I've been to Mexico, I've been to Bahamas, but I, I don't know that I would consider that to be great global travel. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Um, okay. So resources are important with that being said. And, um, an African Australian named Santilla, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Her last name, Chinkapai, Chinkapi. Um, and I say African Australian because that's how she identifies. And when I say African Australian, and when she says African Australian, what she's referring to is her family is from Africa, as in she knows the country. I don't want to miss say, I think she, her family is from Ghana, but please don't quote me on that. And I don't know which generation she is Australian. And so there's a community, a strong African community, not Aboriginal, right? Because we went through that in the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. A strong African community there. And so anyway, she's working on a project and a couple of projects. So there's Australia Uncovered and it's uncovering the history and that appears to be like it might be multiple shows or episodes and it's airing in Australia. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to get access to that. It didn't appear. And then there's also a documentary, Our African Roots Reveals Australia's Forgotten History. There's a link I put in there where there's like a 10 minute audio of her being interviewed about it. And there was this snippet from the documentary where they talked about in 1788, British arrived to colonize indigenous people. Um, 10 people on that ship were of African descent. And she's saying that a lot of people didn't know that, right? So the history of 1788 seems widely known in Australia. Like her and the woman interviewing her were speaking about it quite, you know, as if, you know, just like we know our American history in July 4th and, you know, dates that are significant to us. So that didn't seem to be a shock. But the fact that 10 people on there could have been of African descent was a shock to the interviewer. And anyway, Santilla goes on to talk about the history being so deep that pretty much you really got to watch the documentary. And she talks about how, um, you know, people of African descent are stereotyped into being criminals. And there was even in one of the articles mentioned about gang activity. And she was just like, we aren't what they portray us to be. And um, she even said that one or two of the men on the ship of the original 10 were from the U.S. They were from, they were you from the U.S. but sided with Britain during the American Revolutionary War. So I was like, oh, this is going to get deep, honey. I don't know where she's going. Um, so if I can find a way to get my hands on the documentary, I will. And, you know, let you know. Um, yeah. It's hard sometimes to get stuff out of... Um, you know, in other countries and stuff like that. Like sometimes that's not easy. You know, you got to look on a certain platform or, or something yeah. like that to be able to get it. Um, but yeah, she was talking about her experience and going through it. And she was just like, honestly, it's hard to summarize. Like those were her words, not mine, you know, because she was just talking about how deep the history go. And I believe her. I believe what this mm -hmm. is. Um, so anyway, that's there. If you all, you know, want to click on the information or you, might have easier access than myself depending on where you're located in the world to be able to view it then please go check it out so that's a documentary and it also looked like she had a series that was coming 
Australian Uncovered was the series, at least from what I could tell. And then Our African Roots Reveals Australians Forgotten History was a documentary. So just want to put that out there. Patrice, anything that you want to add to that? You know, I feel like I recall an ad about a way to change your VPN to allow you mm. to show yourself in a different country that gives you access to live stuff that's only available in Canada or Great Britain and mm. so on and so forth. I'm going to do my homework on that because I want to see that documentary. I so want to see that documentary. I want to see it. So I'm going to try to find that. I think it was like a mini subscription thing to set up the VPN, which I will happily do for a month so we could watch it. Like that's... Okay. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. I want to see. Yeah, I want to check it out. I mean, um, I can't imagine what she uncovered. Well, first of all, she already know more than us. <laughs> okay? So whatever she got to say as a foundation, we're going to find fascinating. And then on top of that, she did research that the Australians ain't even know. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. dude, you, you uncovering stuff. Okay. Um, so that was very interesting. And, and mm-hmm. Go ahead. I feel like, okay. Mm-hmm. And this is again I kind of repeated repeating what I've already said. We know from this side, you know, we know from the websites we're allowed to look at, we know from the history we're able to access, we're able to stumble upon in our broad searches. You know what I mean? This isn't even like some library within like Harvard or something like that that has archived work and research and raw data. This is just our Google searches. Like, imagine removing some of those filters and being able to really get to the grit, which it sounds like she's probably done. So, or something comparable to, you know what I mean? I absolutely want to see that. Yeah, she dug deep. And I I respect and appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I have no words. I really do. Like Australia took and like, okay, so a full transparency moment, right? Okay. So I'm like, oh, you you, Patrice, you know what we should do with Black History Month, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's seven continents, right? Okay. Boom. Let's take off North America because, you know, no shade. I'm just saying that we've done that. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, boom, let's take off Africa. Love Africa. Definitely no problem. But that's what people are expecting us to do, right? So I was like, okay, cool. We knocked them two off um antarctica got knocked off you know but maybe you shouldn't maybe you shouldn't have because maybe antarctica After got some this, surprises antarctica could have a whole congress whole of surprises stuff going on. for me that i wasn't aware of so i did not do antarctica <laughs> right so anyway we move i mean there, there's little people there's very few people in antarctica surely anyway um so i was like okay boom we not so we was left with these four continents and i really felt like australia was going to be a difficult continent for us to find the information for, for there to be an episode on whatever. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was committed to doing the four because that's what we decided. And I just was not prepared. I just wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I wasn't prepared. Um, I feel bad. I do. I do. I really do feel bad. Um, to my knowledge, we do not have any New Zealand or Australian listeners as of yet, but we have a lot of international listeners. So, I hope one day someone from over there listens. But the last little piece I yeah. wanted to touch on. Oh, did you have something you want to say? Um, 
No, I think you're about to do. Are you going into the demographics? Mm, I don't know. I'm going into Black Lives Matter. Oh, just kidding. Okay. That was my Do you have something you want to say about demographics? Well, I I was so I really struggled to figure out what the population breakdown looked like today. Like what population of individuals still were of the aboriginal descent of the black descent. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um like when I look it up, it looks like okay, let me this is what it says. As of twenty twenty two, and this is based off the diversityabroad.com. Um, and diversity specifically for Australia, it says English represents 25.9%, Australian 25.4%, so that's about 50% right there, Irish 7.5%, Scottish 6.4%, Italian 3.3%, German 3.2%, Chinese 3.1%, Indian 1.4%, Greek 1.4%, Dutch 1.2%, other 15.8% in parentheses includes Australian Aboriginal. You know what? That percentage is quite close to African Americans in the U S right. I don't remember it our is. recent number, but it's close. It's around there. Give her, it, give or take four or five. It is. Um, it's just <laughs> the other gets me. Um, but <laughs> Well, you know, I told you about, I'm I'm not making excuses, but I told you about the, you know, the Aboriginal versus, you know, the language and it's been so long, you know, yes, I'll leave it at that for now. uh, To me, it's been so long. We can't prove where you're from. It's not a good excuse because you know, you also erase the damn language and the culture too. So, (laughs) uh, buddy, (laughs) you know what you took away. Okay. For me to get the people who you don't know, put it this way. They probably fall into that category because they're the only ones that are missing that information. You know what I'm saying? Like what? Good point, Patrice. Okay. (laughs) What are we talking about here? But let me shut my mouth up. My, my American ass business. Um, so I was really struggling with that because I want like a thorough breakdown just to see how many were still, you know, considered Aboriginal and so on and so forth. And if we were considering any population to be black, even those like mm. if I moved to Australia, will I fall under black or will I fall under other? Will I fall under Aboriginal as someone who does identify as black and is now living in Australia? Like I'm kind of curious what that census looks like. So I think I have a social answer to that. Okay. I don't know what they're going to categorize you based on census and stuff like that. But um, I went ahead into Black Lives Matter because I had- Okay, that's where I thought you yes. were going to go. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. This article talks about how they identify as Black. All, all, of, all Australia's indigenous, mm-hmm. Aboriginal, and Torres Strait Islander people have long identified with the term Black. Um, most specifically as black or black fulas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's the term that they have. And they have a deep affinity with African-Americans in particular from the founding of an Australian chapter of the Black Panther Party in the 1960s. And this article, Cultural Survival, uh, is the page that I'm on um, as I'm reading that to you. And they talk about Black Lives Matter and how the Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S., you know, of course, the news of that spread to Australia and um, motivated them. And they kind of felt like, you know, Black lives in Australia matter too, you know what I mean, type of uh, response 
Um, I may, maybe vaguely, I remember seeing, I mean, when George Floyd happened, I remember there being protests for him and Black Lives Matter all across the world. So I don't know if I can specifically remember Australia or not, but they're saying that they definitely have some, according to this, um, this article. Yeah. Did you have something you want to add? Yeah, I do recall Australia now I understand it on a whole nother different level, of course, because we, like you said, we saw protests all over the country, you know, from the Middle East to Canada, yes. you name it. Everybody was protesting and that was so beautiful. But I do recall Australia protests. Um, but it, again, it blended in with everybody else's. Now I see it totally differently. Um, not to say anyone else's black experience anywhere else is, you know, obviously doesn't matter. Of course, that's definitely not the case. But now, you know, knowing more about the history of Australia also helps me understand what motivated the engagement as well into the movement at that time. And a prolonged time, I guess, you know, is the correction. I should be saying that's, that's the correct thing. Yeah, so... um True. I, I agree with everything you just said. Now, this also says that the reason why they resonate so much with the African-American experience, Black Australia is what they call themselves, is because that many Aboriginal deaths have happened in the custody of law enforcement there. So it's not, I mean, yes, it's everything that we went over history-wise, and I'm sure more that we even didn't go over, um, but you know, that relationship with law enforcement seems to be an additional piece that connects us. And I'm just, I, I, I just feel bad. I feel bad because, um, they obviously heard about what was happening over there and showed up in the way that they did thousands of miles away across oceans. And clearly they've been going through things and I don't think, I'm I'm gonna be bold here and say we haven't responded because we didn't know. Right, <laughs> we did right, not know. Like we right, did not like African Americans, right. I can tell you, like if if I was to call 10 African Americans I know right now, they don't know anything about <laughs> no, nothing that's no. happening in Australia in relation to black people. Like I can just tell you that for sure. So it goes on to talk about um, you know, this article and it gives some more information. So please check it out. But um, it's an activist. It highlights a couple of activists who are fighting the fight and who, you know, just really resonate with African-American struggle and they're Black Australians, rather they're Aboriginal or rather they're African Australian. They resonate resonate with the term Black and are of the Black diaspora and, you know, feel a, a large connection to us here in the U.S., and I think they should. I think, you know, reading what historically has happened, I think there's a lot of comparison there um, yeah. to to be stated. So I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about history in Australia. So no. um, be on the lookout because we are not done. We I am not done. No. I got to I have to continue no. to look into this and no. I, I am not done at all. Um, and I just I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Black Australia. My, from from Shayla to you, I'm sorry. Shayla uh, and Patrice, melanated intellects to you. Melanated intellects to you. Yeah. I am so sorry. I wasn't aware. Now now I am. So we going to um yeah get it on out there, and you know we have a small but wide platform. Mm-hmm. 
And this is a starting point. But go ahead, Patrice. You want to say something? Uh, yeah. Um, to piggyback off that, and sorry, I didn't want to cut you off because I was feeling you know, my ass begin emotional and shit. Um, so I just you remember at the end of when we recorded uh Black Russians, how we were like we need to go to Russia. That needs to be added to the list. Like we need to understand our fellow black Russian brethren and see what's popping over there. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to shake somebody who was black Russian and had that heritage, had that experience. I wanted to talk to somebody, you know, from that lineage. Now I feel the same way about, um, black Australians. Like I want to talk to these people. I wish that, you know, now I want to fly there and be like, what y'all got going on over there? 24 hours is a lot to ask of, but I want to make the flight. I want to obviously not experience what the hell is going on, but now I want to talk. I want to understand the experience in more detail so much more. I feel the same way I did after we recorded black Russians. Like there's a whole nother group of people who understands what we are, what we have gone through in a lot of different ways and we haven't shown up. Yeah. We, yeah, you can't show up something you don't know about. You ain't lying. Yeah. We haven't showed up. <laughs> we yeah. don't know nothing about nothing. Okay. Yeah. And not that that's really an excuse, you know, not that that's an excuse. I don't want to make excuses for us. Cause I think, um, you know, we have to be able to be proactive about issues outside of, of America. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, again, I think we, we are kind of conditioned, reared, raised and educated to have this very narrow view. And mm-hmm. so we have to make great effort to step outside of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, world history or just history, a black, world black history, n- none of that is easily accessible or um promoted that's something mm-hmm. that one really does need to like take up african-american studies or like do you know what i'm saying like it, you you really do need to take that because that's not that is not coming in your um history no. book. like you're you are not just getting <laughs> no. that as a high school or even a college student if you're not taking a study that specifically has you studying history of the world you are not um easily getting that information so you know not don't want to make excuses for us, but I just think that that's just the norm here. And so um, I like to think, I'd like to think that some of the popularity that has come around our podcast has been because we are Americans. We are African-Americans speaking about black world history, um, which I'd like to think is a, a small percentage of people, you know, we're not the only ones, but. No, but I do agree with that, though. I think that oftentimes, I think this can sometimes be the biggest divider among the diaspora is that sometimes we are very American focused. And, you know, I I understand, you know, when we talk about, for example, Black history in Asia, you know, how African-Americans contributed to you know, even the discussion around colonization because of the U.S., you know, and the civil rights movements that happened in the 60s didn't only happen in the U.S. It happened literally so many melanated countries. You know, it happened everywhere. Honestly, many were becoming, um, were gaining their independence and, you know, um, gaining rights to what different rights at that level, you know, whether it was to vote or what have you. But the 60s was a very pivotal timing for the Black diaspora as a whole. Even, even... 
even in Australia, I read that that was around the time they were able to vote in 63. So, um, things like that, you know, it, it just, I, I do wish that, you know, um, we, there was a better way to go about uh, kind of being proactive about it. Um, I am proud of us for the work that we're doing right now to kind of send to create space for it. But I do, I do, I don't see many podcasts or many channels or any avenues, especially American based that go into it at all. And I, and I would, and I feel like when I'm experiencing people who are outside the U S talking about news or foreigners, stuff like this, I could easily see as being common knowledge, you know, because they know what's happening in neighboring countries very easily. Very easily. Other people probably like, girl, y'all ain't know black people in Australia. Right. Girl, you ain't know about Australia. You know what I'm saying? Right. Girl, no, I ain't know. You know, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Patrice did not know. I knew very little, you know, I knew it was a little bit and then I didn't know. I didn't, I, I didn't know much after that little bit. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think in my brain, like when I think about systemic oppression specifically, I think there are obviously levels to it and the, how those levels and how we interact with those, with that, those different levels is going to vary on so many different levels, like so many different reasons. Like, like again, black Russians based off their experience, you know, they were still able to own businesses. They were still able to go to school. They were still able to have very pretty big careers socially. They were treated like they were black, but they weren't discriminated in a way and held back from certain things because they were black. You know, interracial relationships weren't bad. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that. It was a very different experience there. They even talk about the relationship with law enforcement there. Drastically different compared to here in the U.S., you know, um, it, it it's very, very um, siloed. And so I think because it's such a personal experience, we often use that as our baseline. That's our foundation to what we understand to be systemic oppression. Like, I know best the United States and the history with the United States between Black people, specifically African-Americans, you know, um, I'm not going to know what the experience even is for someone who's African, who dealt with apartheid or somebody who is, you know, uh, who went from being in Nigeria to going to Europe, for example, for college. I'm not going to know what that experience was like, you know, which is a very common experience, but we would never know what that's like until we actually looked into it and talked about it and talked about statistics and whatever is there. But, but it's so different. We all experience these different systems of oppression so differently. It it, it is really a life's work to really get to a full understanding of what we're really up against on a global scale, if that makes sense. And even then it's like, mm-hmm. is it a global scale? Cause this one tilt this way, that one tilt this way, and this one's stacked that way. It's so different. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I remember in 100 years of black history, we talked about, um, I don't remember the exact name, but it was like a world conference. They got together yes. the black diaspora. And then there yeah. is some history in that as to why that ended and, mm-hmm. you know, or, or didn't continue in the way that we, that I was kind of thinking. 
Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's missed opportunities for just the black diaspora together. We're so segmented in different parts of the world. Yeah. We're so segmented. Our experiences vastly differ, but then are also similar in so many ways too. Um, and so it just feels like we're, we're miles and miles apart. Um, and I, and I get historically that that literally happened. Like literally we were taken and placed in, 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 in vast areas of the world, but it just feels like so many years after that started or, or has stopped that there should or could be something to, to, to bring us back together. And I just don't think we've gotten there yet, you know, and, and arguably we're, we're dealing with our own issues in wherever we are, right. Fighting for rights and and other issues that we have that are, that are going on wars and a variety of other things. But um, I, I would love to see that come to fruition one day or just movement in that direction, just the black diaspora, understanding yeah. and coming together and being part of things in this worldly way and in and, and America being you know a, a pivotal part of that would be great because um, you know we they we they could be having one and we could be left out because we didn't even know you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. didn't get the memo um, so. very true very true yeah yeah well I mean, like you said, there's so much more to be done. I'm, I know we will absolutely probably revisit this one for sure. Um, I hope y'all learn something or at least, you know, just experiencing us learn this in its own can kind of create a perspective of understanding just how this all comes full circle, you know. Um, but good, good history lesson for sure. Um that's all I've got though so yeah thank you for listening Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this Um, we spent a lot of time researching and putting stuff together so we really hope you guys enjoy this Black History Month as much as you enjoyed the last one you can tell by looking at the numbers you guys really enjoyed the last one um yeah more to come i i am not done with the black australian (laughs) history i am not so you you may hear it again um more than once maybe even i don't know who knows where Mm -hmm. our journey will take us on the the history and what there is for us to discuss but um we appreciate you listening go follow us on ig take the survey the link is in the description um so we will see you next time for another continent we will cover uh, a different continent next time so bye bye